0: you <laughs>
1: What's up, y'all? This is Nina Perez, and this is straight talk, no sugar added. And as you know, I go around this fantastic planet of ours trying to find the best humans on it to come on here to grow challenge and transform your thinking. And I found Hesan, I love that name, Hesan Sorrells is an author, a podcaster, he's the CEO and founder of HSCT Publishing, and he is helping people integrate the difference between the ideal of work and the reality of work, so we're, you know we're going to get into that. So it's a remote-first video-based software publishing platform company, and their products and solutions um, innovate on the most important asset of your organization. So we're going to talk about leadership, and we're going to talk about you know, innovation innovation and all that great stuff. So, Hassan, welcome to Straight Talk. How are you?
0: I am very happy to be here, Nina. happy to be invited on to Straight Talk and looking forward to giving some straight talk to our Good. listeners today on leadership. So all right. You yeah. know what,
1: Hasan? I love straight talkers, so we're going to have some fun tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hasan, listen, The first the first thing I like to do is to let my audience know a little bit more about you uh, so I want to ask you that little question that we all ask is, who is Hassan? Who are oh, you, my friend? Who, who am are you? I?
0: Well, I am a uh, I am a speaker. I am a consultant. Um, I am a podcaster, as you mentioned. I'm also a CEO and a founder. Um, I am what Seth Godin would have called back in the day a ruckus maker. I walk around. I actually, that's it. literally how the business started. I walk around asking people uncomfortable questions and seeing what kind of answers they give me. Um, but I'm also a father to uh, to four kids, um, nice. ages uh, 26, 17. Uh, 12 and 5. So I'll be on the cutting edge for quite some time. Um, I'm also an author. So I've written three books, um, all of which you can find um, on Amazon. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoy helping people and uh, really uh, pushing this idea that there are some practical foundations for intentional leadership that everyone can do in their community, their family, and especially in their workplaces.
1: That's pretty awesome. And I'm um, you know, I really want to get into that with you as well because well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a, a ruckus maker in one of your kids? Because there's always one of them. There's always one. Do you have one of those?
0: Oh yeah, I got like two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're mixing it up out there. And and I'm one of I'm one of four children myself. I'm the middle child. So I got that big old chip. You know, right. right over there on my shoulder, um, and uh, you know, making making a mess, just throwing, right. just k- k- kicking over the chessboard and seeing where the pieces come down.
1: That's so funny. There's just always like one in your case, too, There's always one or two. I have one too. That's why I add. That's so funny. Um, so uh, so tell me a little bit about what you've been seeing, especially when it comes to like organizations and leadership, right? Because it's a big shift out there, Hasan. Mm-hmm. I mean, from pre covid to you know post um tell me about that like what what have you seen like one of the biggest maybe changes or challenges that you're seeing
0: sure so um people talk about um, particularly in my space of leadership development, uh, motivational speaking, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 everything, everybody from Tony Robbins to Brene Brown, right? Mm-hmm. They're talking about this shift in the workplace, right? This shift in the nature of how work is conceived or how work is conceptualized. And the interesting thing is I've kind of been on this since 2013. Mm-hmm. So the shift has been coming for quite some time. And it really began with the end of the Industrial Revolution and the rise of the Internet, uh, most people don't think about it, but the commercial internet went on with Timothy Berners-Lee in 1989. Uh, the first commercial browser that accessed the internet to the world was created and launched to the world, if I remember correctly, in 1992. We're a good 40 years into this experiment. Yeah. We're at the beginning of a revolution. The internet flattens everything. Not just Facebook, not just YouTube, not just what we're doing here on a podcast. The fact of being able to connect with Nina and for for thousands of listeners to be able to hear my voice um, in in a very specific niche and talk about this very specific topic and not have to be backed by NPR or ABC Mm -hmm, is a mm -hmm. revolutionary thing. And so, of course, human behavior is changing. Of course, human expectation and desire is shifting. And we are seeing this in how people want to be led at work. So people talk a lot about this great resignation idea, right, mm-hmm. as if this is the big new trend. People have been resigning and telling uh, workplaces to kick the curb for the last 20 years. All that COVID did was it poured an accelerant, like a fire, on the fire that was already going. It poured more fire on a fire that was already mm-hmm, going. It made mm-hmm. it bigger and burn faster and hotter. And I don't see this fire going out anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think you know you you sound like you're very pragmatic too, right? So I do I, I, do, I do like
0: what works. Yes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I realize that just in just in your statements. Um, so tell me about um, because uh, you know when I think about leadership, I also think about you're right. I mean, people have been resigning and getting terminated for forever, right? It's mm-hmm. just the way. That's just, just the way it is. Um, I think though that the. Imp- maybe the employees have changed a bit, right? Uh, the employee structure has changed a bit, which I think is making it difficult for a leader who doesn't, who, who is malleable, who isn't, sh- who isn't willing to grow and shift and innovate and think differently. Um, I definitely, myself being a director, I've seen a lot of changes in pre and post, um, especially with the, um, the employees that I have, right? I have great employees. They're just very different. Um, so, what is that the, what is it that, um, HS, uh, CT is doing to like, cause I'm sure that you've had to like upgrade and shift a little bit too. Right. And um, mm-hmm. what are the changes you've been noticing on that?
0: Sure. So a couple of things that would really jump right out. Right. Um, We talk about employees changing or employees shifting. Um, One of the big things is that COVID gave employees permission to negotiate in a different kind of way with owners and management. And it really is that permission piece that was missing beforehand. See, anybody who's over the age of, I would... Now say forty-five, right? Remembers a world where that permission just didn't exist. Yeah. If somebody wanted you to come in and work for forty hours a week at uh, eight dollars an hour, you were going to do that because there was no other. Number one, there were no other options. And number two, there was right. no permission to go and pursue other options. And by the way, there were people who still looked at that and said, "Take this job and shove it," right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yep. uh, so that wasn't anything new. What has happened post-COVID is people got a real reality check about what really mattered. And so now they're looking at permission and they're saying, I'm not going to wait for you to give me permission. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Now, on the employer end, here's a problem. And this is why we serve small and medium sized business organizations. Corporations moved towards globalism, starting back in the 1970s with Richard Nixon. Mm -hmm. And when globalism really began to kick off, uh, loyalty to employees from the corporation end—and I'm talking about large multinational corporation and 10,000 employees and uh, up—think like the John Deere's or the Facebooks Mm -hmm. of the world—began to decline. And employees still didn't really have a whole lot of permission. Well. The knock-on effect of that to small and medium-sized businesses didn't really begin to manifest until I would say probably the mid-2000s um, from that is when that knock-on effect started. And now it's uh, it's filtering down even into the solopreneurs and the small shops, right? And it is that sense that if I don't have ownership in this big organization or this big uh, company or this big team, then really, are they out here for me or are they just out here for themselves?
1: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. organizations
0: kind of shot themselves a little bit in the foot, and this, in weirdly concentric circles, moves outward from workplaces into every other area of our lives. So those are the kinds of things we're seeing um, out here. You asked also, how do we structure our business internally? Look, we don't tell anybody to do anything that we don't do ourselves. So... Uh, during the summer of twenty twenty, I'll use this as an example. There was a lot of pressure on a lot of organizations to publish um, statements on diversity, equity, and inclusion, yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or to uh, to visibly show how diverse and equitable and inclusive their internal uh, operations of their organizations were. And we refused to do any of that. Good. We said, just show up every day and see who shows up in our in our workplaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had had to go remote and we invited you know our clients come on our remote meetings, see what the kind of people are that we have. We're not going to put out a statement. We're not going to, um, we're not going to make a stand. We're not going to change the, uh, the, uh, the logos around mm-hmm. of our business mm-hmm. because that's just marketing mm-hmm. and it marketing is. fades. Mm-hmm. What you need are things that are permanent and at last. So We've hired people from all across the sexual orientation, national origin, and ethnic spectrum. And basically, we treat them like individuals, which yeah. is exactly what they are. Right. <laughs> right. In, oh, my revolutionary God. Revolutionary thought.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so much how my brain works as well. You know, it's like, yeah, duh. Um, I felt the same way. I mean, I just was a little example. There's a great butcher shop. Um, where near where we live, mm-hmm. and the first CEO went in and did exactly what you didn't do, right? Mm-hmm. So they virtue signaled, they did all the signs, they did everything else, whatever. Okay. Uh, well, the new CEO came in and said, We're not doing that, we're not getting political, we're taking mm-hmm. all that down. So, what do you think happened? Everybody quit, mm-hmm.
0: you know. Everybody
1: was like, How dare you, you know, because <laughs> once you open that door. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's a dangerous door to open, you know, you should just treat people like people.
0: It is a dangerous door to open. And, you know, as a consumer, if I'm going into a butcher shop, here's what I want. Meat. (laughs) Right. Frankly, (laughs) I want meat. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: I'm a
0: consumer. Um, If I am an employee, and and this is again, maybe potentially a radical thought here. So something for your listeners to think about. Those of you who are employees at any level in the hierarchy, whether you're managers, supervisors, vice presidents, um, even sometimes the CEO may feel as though they're an employee in a large large public or even a small public company, all the way down to the person pushing the broom who's the janitor. What kind of organization do you want to have? That's an interesting question. But also, what kind of organization do you want to work at? And here's the third question for you, and this is probably the most important one. Does the organization have to reflect your personal values?
1: Right. Or is it going to
0: be socially negotiated within the organization? Look, private businesses can do whatever it is that they want. Public businesses can do whatever it is they want. But those are three key questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, leaders have to lead on answering those questions.
1: Yeah, that's good. So when you're doing uh, your video based training with uh, leadership of an organization, Mm -hmm. um, I know you said you do uh, medium to small businesses, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, Do you do you take them through like a, a video framework and are you involved with that? Like, are there calls with you? How does that work?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, our Leadership Toolbox product, which you can go check out mm-hmm. at leadershiptoolbox.us. That's leadershiptoolbox.us. That was my pitch. And you'll see all this stuff in the show notes below the player. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, But um, when we walk folks through Leadership Toolbox, that is 12 um, modules of leadership okay. content. Typically, they're around a two-hour long webinar because adults can't sit for longer than that. It's, it's cruel and unusual punishment to make adults sit yeah. longer than that, quite frankly. Um, and then what we do is we have a coaching follow-up. We have forums. We have journaling. We have reflective exercises. We really try to make this stick because it's one thing to watch a video and go, well, yeah, that's cool. That's, guy's, that's, that, that's that guy's thing, whatever. It's quite another to then have that guy show up. With you every week or every month, and walk through your life with you via coaching, and begin to build a relationship with you. And so, the coaching is the piece that makes it stick. Um, the content you can quite frankly get anywhere, but mm-hmm. the coaching is what makes it stick. And uh, we have done this pre-pandemic with around fifteen thousand managers and supervisors um, across the Northeast and nationwide. And uh, in a, in a remote mode, we um, were approaching now um, almost a thousand folks that we've worked with in a remote mode. Um, since 2020.
1: That's awesome. That's great. You have some momentum, which is good. And I think this is something that um, a, really a lot of businesses should be investing in, not just the the medium to small, but even the bigger companies, right? Because uh, I mean, it, yeah, I think, you know going to, to your point Right it used to be very different it was a different Mentality it was an old school mentality I call it old school because I call myself old School that's my mentality I used to get up Do my job do it extremely well You know and not really Think about the negotiation piece And all of that stuff right it was mm-hmm. just Do my job and do it well um, And even even through my Career not always thinking about Whether I aligned with their values Just
0: you
1: know, Well because you
0: you weren't I would dare say, Nina, you were probably not getting your primary identity markers right. from the work that you That's were exactly doing. Right. You were probably getting them from your family. You were mm-hmm. probably getting them from your community. You were probably getting them from your close friends, right? That's People exactly who know right. you. Um, what we call an anthropology Uh, first order relationships. Mm -hmm. Look, Mm -hmm. the workplace is always a second or third order relationship. And what has happened as the decline of family and friend networks has occurred, because Mm -hmm. again, of the flattening of the internet, individuals have, have reached out to workplaces and now are demanding more of leaders. And here's what I tell leaders, I'm sorry, sucks to be you. I wish that society and culture had kept together those bonds better. I wish that we hadn't unleashed the atomic bomb of the mobile phone and the other atomic bomb of social media on top of the already atomic bomb we unleashed on the internet. I wish that we had known better back in 1992 or 1995 or 2014 or 2004. I wish we had known better, but we didn't. And now congratulations, it's showing up in your workplace and you have to deal with it. Yeah. And you just yeah. gotta work with what you got. Otherwise, you're probably going to be working alone. And a person who's leading alone is walking by themselves. No,
1: yeah, I was gonna say it's not really leading. <laughs> you're just walking. Just walking. <laughs> you're just you're just walking.
0: walking. <laughs> Taking a long walk.
1: <laughs> that is so true. Uh, so tell me about um tell me about leaders. Maybe some some ideals that you've been seeing that leaders have had to kind of incorporate into what they're doing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, because I think, no, I know. I know that one of the challenges that even the leaders that I have spoken to are having is the shifting of their own mindset. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like the not having the, you know, like the the strict tan you got to do what I say anymore. <clears throat> now they're trying to like be malleable, or be your friend or whatever it is. So what are those shifts that you're seeing that you're going to you're you're trying to to get the leadership to to understand?
0: Yes. So um I even uh, you know, this is going to kind of time date this a little bit. But I led a training today with a group of folks, uh, very well-meaning, doing a very hard job in a very difficult uh, sector of our economy, um, helping the most vulnerable people who are in our society right now. And even they are having difficulty with leadership, <laughs> mm-hmm. with meeting the people who have to do this very difficult job and who get very few claps or thank yous from a public that they serve. Okay. Right. How do you lead people who are doing a difficult job that none the vast majority of us would not voluntarily step up to do? Well, you Mm -hmm. have to collaborate with those people if you're going to lead with them. You cannot be authoritative with them. You have to be what I call hard headed, you have to engage in what I call hard headed empathy with them. And hard headed empathy is this. I'm going to hear your story. I'm going to walk with you along your path, but I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to not help you. I'm not going to carry your cross for you. Right. And there's some imagery Mm -hmm. there that Mm -hmm. I'm I'm picking on purpose. Right. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the path in front of you straighter so you can carry that cross better and so that you won't stumble so much. Mm -hmm. That is a 180 degree. Uh, difference from what would have occurred or what the message would have been at the height of the Industrial Revolution in the 1960s and 1950s in America. And the message there was not only do you have a cross, but you're just going to carry it and you're yeah. going to shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you're going to cut the path yourself. That's you right. Know? You're going to cut the yeah. path
0: yourself because that's what I did. And so right. you can do the same thing. Right. So this idea of empathy, empathy is a much overused word. And I've read Daniel Goldman's emotional intelligence. I understand what empathy yeah. is, but it is an overused term. We tend to think of empathy as I'm going to give you a hug and pick that cross up off of your shoulders and put it on mine. Nah, that's not empathy all the time. Sometimes that's cutting um, the legs out from underneath someone mm-hmm. right, and you don't right. allow them to grow and become more resilient by taking mm-hmm. away the heavy weight.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: actually helping them grow and become more resilient by clearing the path for them. I'm not the first person to say this, nor am I the first person to frame this in this way. The other thing that I'm seeing is an interest more and more on leaders' ends of followers actually being accountable. And accountability is what I call in my third book, 12 Rules for Leaders, the Foundation of Intentional Leadership. Um... Accountability is the holy grail of leadership. It's the thing that every leader I talk to says that they want from their people. So if you are following a leader today and you're within the sound of my voice and Nina's voice here on Straight Talk, you need to think about accountability. Accountability is something that someone does to you, but responsibility, responsibility is something you do yourself. And there's responsibility laying around all over the place right now in our culture. If you're on a team of four people, there's probably about 16 different places where you could take responsibility where no one's doing anything. Right. And are you going to get paid more? Probably not. Probably are not. You get claps on the back? Probably not. Right. Are you going to go home at the end of the day and probably be a little, be, be 10% more exhausted than you were previously? Yes, probably. Mm-hmm. But here's the straight talk. When you start taking on that responsibility, people will see you taking on that responsibility yeah. and they will reward you, but it will not be an immediate reward. It will right. be a delayed reward down the road.
1: Right. Do, are you noticing any kind of um uh differences in the way you're you're coaching people and leading people with the the difference in uh maybe generation, like maybe mm-hmm. an older leadership as mm-hmm. opposed to younger people now uh leading? Are you noticing that big difference?
0: So we've had in in our popular culture for about the last 10 to 15 years, maybe, um, a lot of digital ink spilled about the millennials. A lot of digital ink. (laughs) Millennials this, millennials that, millennials the other. Okay. Um, I am not a millennial. Uh, I am not part of that generation. Um, I'm part of the generation about which little digital ink is spilled, uh, Generation X. (laughs) No one cares about us. Anyway, so (laughs) we're a small generation. No one cares. And yet, weirdly enough, as I heard another commentator speaking the other day, The baby boomers are now retiring or are going to be fully out of the ecosystem, probably within the next five to ten years um, at the at the longest. We are now stepping up because who else is there? And you're actually seeing this in in, in very public ways. So I'm going to use an example here. Regardless of what you may think about Elon Musk's taking over of Twitter. I want everybody to hear me on this. That's why I paused it because I want everybody to hear me on this, because I know there's a bunch of emotions that I hear on the other side of this. regardless of what you may think about that and the regardless of what opinion you may have about the how of what he's doing the what of the demo he's putting on about leadership is a generational difference in yeah. the what of the leadership he's putting on a live demonstration of those generational differences and here's another thing the response from his former employees to that what is also part of the generational difference on yeah. 51 yeah. He was raised underneath a completely different way of thinking about work yep. than the Twitter employees he just sacked who were between 25 and 35. <laughs> they right. just have a different way uh, of looking at the world.
1: Hey, son, that is very, very, very true, right? I'm 50 myself, so I'm in that generation. And I think it's, it's a very cool generation, actually, because we were like right in that cusp of – you know not having all the technology and stuff damage us too much right mm-hmm. and then actually being a part of it as well and watching the whole transition in our children's lives and our you know employees lives and stuff happen it's 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 a i think for me anyway i think it's a fantastic generation that i was born in because i was able to experience both right playing outside till the lights came on. You know <laughs> what I'm right. saying? And now you can't get a kid to go outside to save his life. So it's like, you know, it's
0: just <laughs> very, very different. Well, and I'm on the younger end of that generation. I'm 43. So, you know, the oldest millennial right now is is 40, 41. They're in that range right there. Um, I'm just barely on the cusp of not being a millennial. Um, I have a number of children. Oh, not a number. Uh, three of my four children um, are Gen Z. Right, mm-hmm. totally different thing going on down there. I'm not yeah. gonna, usually when I talk about intergenerational differences. When I say things about Gen Z that we're seeing now start to come into the market, millennials blanch and they kind of run away. <laughs> they yeah. get very scared very quickly. Um, they turn as white as that background behind me. So, uh, and so, um, and so, uh, so this is this is there's going to be a, some more intergenerational tension. And here's the reality, and to paraphrase from Peter Capelli over at Wharton Business School. Um, There's always been intergenerational tension. Yeah, But what we haven't had, and what leaders should be paying attention to is intra-generational tension, Mm. okay? And so intra-generational tension really comes about because of this atomization and this bifurcation of individuals because of the internet. We can all pick up our own communities. We can all decide our own behavior. We can all decide our own uh, dopaminergically driven distractions. I don't have to watch what you're watching on Netflix. I don't have to listen to the podcast you're listening to. I don't have to be influenced by the people that you're being influenced by. And so the decline of mass culture that the baby boomers existed under, which is why, by the way, the internet took all of them by surprise. Yeah. The decline of mass culture meant that well, it meant more than just Johnny Carson, you know, pulling 60 million people, you know, every night and influencing people. Now it means there's no more shared zeitgeist, to use a larger term. And when there's no shared zeitgeist, then we all go into work atomized into our own little pods. And as Mm -hmm. leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, leaders now have to go to each one of those pods and learn what's in each one of those pods, which makes leadership just that more difficult.
1: Yeah, I agree. That just makes so much sense, and I and I really do uh, agree. And a lot of it it is influenced a lot from what you're seeing on the internet and things like that. And um, we're we're not going to go there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and let me say this: you know, I've been really getting some. I've been getting some conviction lately. (laughs) You'll appreciate this. I've been getting some conviction lately um, on how there are still things that. And and I'm a guy who's very focused on what happens on the internet on on the regular. But even COVID showed this things that happen in the real world still matter so if you're running an organization that makes a physical product for people in who live in the physical world let's like say you uh you are the female owner of a a female a minority female owner of a custom cabinet making shop that you built with your own hands in let's say um idaho somewhere okay just pick a bunch of random things and put them together there for that example what happens in the real world with your real customers matters more to you Mm -hmm. than what some knucklehead is doing on twitter matter of fact you Mm -hmm. probably didn't care about twitter
1: right right
0: but the problem is the next person that you hire Mm -hmm. you don't know what's on that phone in their pocket and you're not asking
1: right It's not
0: part of the job interview part of the job interview isn't what kind of sites do you visit and what kind of entertainment Mm -hmm. do you watch because that influences how you're going to show up to build these custom cabinets for my customers and then when you're surprised that one of your employees comes to you and says well listen i know you're a minority female owner of this custom cabinet business with a long standing clientele in the middle of let's just say not diverse idaho i know you've been fine and i know you've been doing this but you're not really woke enough
1: right right
0: you're probably going to be caught by surprise by that feedback and
1: right. this is
0: what i'm seeing happen to leaders they are being caught mm. surprised by this feedback
1: mm-hmm. because the
0: thing they do with the physical world they don't see it as having any connection to anything going on over there
1: right right and
0: i want leaders i need leaders particularly leaders who are leading intentionally with their brain on in practical ways to begin to see these connections so they can become more effective
1: doesn't mean you have to hang
0: out that? on Twitter all day. Just I, was I was just gonna say, out. yeah, I was, was just—that's what I was
1: just gonna ask. Like, how do you become more effective, right? Because every now it's you know everybody's truth is their truth, right? So everything becomes something you have to be connected to, and it's a lot. san it's a lot to be connected to, right? After a while, you're like, ah, eh, screw it all. <laughs> just do your job, damn it. <laughs> that is- leadership not effective i get it but it's just the way you feel sometimes it is the way you you feel sometimes
0: i will i will grant you i i will tell you i am at the i have i have reached that weird sort of break point in my life where i don't really pay attention too much to what happens on tiktok yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's interesting i'm glad that it's there i guess for certain people um, but that's not where I am going. And that's, yes. by the way, this is also the permission that the internet gives you. So right. the internet gives you the permission to say, that's not for me and that's okay. Right. And so to right. that custom cabinet maker who's employing a team of, let's say, 50 people who are coming to her saying, you need to be aware of this thing happening right now, her first question to them should not, our first uh, response to them should not be one of being defensive. Right. Which, by the way, is the natural response. Yeah. The first response should be to pause listen and say, okay, why do you think this? What about our behavior here or the way we're conducting our business leads you to believe that this is anything that we need to be concerned about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. genuinely listening Mm -hmm. to what those responses will be. (laughs) Now, that can go too far, don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. And at a certain point, you do have to be a leader inside of that because collaboration does have a certain point at which it stops and then accountability and consequences has to kick in. But it's going to be different for that customer cabin, custom cabinet maker than it's going to be for a person who's in the software engineering space or a yeah. person who is in who owns a nail salon, right? Or for a person who owns a bodega on a street corner in New York City.
1: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. That's really good. I I mean, I think that, you know, what you're saying just makes so much sense. And I know that there's probably tons of leaders right now listening to to what you're saying and saying, okay, because I'm struggling with this, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, I want to know a little bit about your books because, mm. you know, I want them to know where they can get some resources, mm. but I also want them to know how they can connect with you and, and work with this because I honestly, Hassan, I think that we all, I, I'm, you know, I, including me, I just need to catch up a little bit because I'm very old school myself. I'm like, if I was the cabinet maker, I'd be like, just go make your damn cabinets, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just go make the cabinets, you know? But... <laughs>
0: Sometimes the cabinets do just need to be made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we can have a conversation about who was woke, where, when, while we're screwing right. the hinge. We can, right. we can do that. We can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time.
1: Right, <laughs> right. I've been having interesting conversations with the with the younger generation that I, that mm-hmm. work with me. I mean, it's been great to listen. Been great yeah. to listen. You know, right. I don't always agree, but it's been great to listen. So, so and tell me about how people can do can move ahead and not just scream at them to make a cabinet like me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So here's how people can move ahead. Um, If you're that custom cabinet maker, or if you are um, operating a bodega, or if you are a person who is a senior vice president of a mid midsize or even a large organization, and you want to connect with me more, some of my ideas or some of our ideas we've talked about today um, are really interesting to you. The easiest way to do this is to pick up a copy of my book. Okay, 12 Rules for Leaders, the Foundation of Intentional Leadership, co-written with contributions from Bradley Vatican. It is available literally everywhere, from Amazon and Barnes and Noble all the way to a Kindle book. Uh, it is uh, $24.99, I believe, in paperback. And you can pick it up just by typing my name into your, your favorite search engine of choice. This book has practical application, practical tips at the end of each chapter for what you can do in order to lead people better in the 12 areas that we believe are important for leaders to lead in. Everything from conflict management to adapting to change, uh, building teams, all the way to how do you deliver feedback and worry about accountability. And once again, you could pick up this book everywhere. If you want to hear more of my voice and you want to hear more of a long form kind of winding out of ideas um, that I have around leadership, I do have a podcast, as Nina mentioned, Mm -hmm. the Leadership Lessons from the Great Books podcast. That's where we read a great book of English or Western literature and sometimes of global literature. And we pull out, we suss out what the big ideas are from that. And we apply those to leadership today because, as the tagline of the podcast goes, reading and understanding literature is better than reading and trying to understand yet a business yet another business book even the one that i wrote (laughs) you can learn a lot from about emotional intelligence from jane austen but you can also learn a lot about leading people from lawrence of arabia
1: right right okay
0: and if you don't have time to read any of those heavy books don't worry i did all the book reading for you it's okay it's okay um so you can pick up you can go, go check out that podcast everywhere where you listen to podcasts, probably everywhere where Nina is too, everywhere where Straight Talk is, we're there too. So just search for Leadership Lessons from the great books. Now, I did write a book before this most recent one, and it's got a pithy little title, which is Appropriate Post-COVID, even though I wrote it in 2016, so I was a little bit ahead of the curve on this. It's a, it's a little red book with a little red cover called My Boss Doesn't Care, 100 oh. Essays on Disrupting Your Workplace by Disrupting Your Boss. If you are ready to leave, do not,
1: work. do not. Anybody who's listening who works with me, do not pick up this book. Go ahead, Jason. Hey, Hassan. Go ahead.
0: Now, here's a move you can do. <laughs> and I have had feedback from some of my readers <laughs> that they have done this. You get that book and you put it right on your desk, just right at work. Just, it's got white letters. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice you red Start cover. in little, trouble. That's what you're little, doing. Little tiny book. Little. <laughs> Little red book.
1: are in trouble.
0: <laughs> and what this book does is it provides the the philosophical and emotional and intellectual underpinnings for figuring out what do you really want to do at work? Do you okay. want to stay or do you want to go? What happens when your boss maybe really doesn't care or hasn't cared? Or maybe you have to start caring before your boss can start caring. Mm. What does that look like? And so uh, go out and pick that up everywhere where you can pick up books. So that's a couple of different. (laughs) (laughs) And if you work for Nina, you don't get to get a copy of that book.
1: (laughs) Exactly. No, that's really, really awesome, actually, because, you know, we we all have a boss unless you're the CEO and owning your own company. Right. And it's also good if you are a CEO and somebody who owns your own company to pick up the book to see. What is it that my employee might be going through or why would they be feeling that way? Right. I, is, am I right? You oh, can absolutely. see it at the other angle. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I've had many CEOs pick up a, a copy of my, uh, my second book and say, you know, I had zero idea that this, these were the kinds of things that were swirling around down there. Or mm-hmm. I had an idea that these were the things that were swirling around, but I had no idea that it had gone this far or that it could go this far once again it's about creating connections between people and ideas and linking things together we no longer get to operate as atomized entities no matter what social media may tell you
1: yeah. Yeah. And that like you were talking about before, like the intergenerational thing, like we really got to get a handle on that. Absolutely. It's a whole new different thing. It's a whole new different generation, especially for my generation. Because like I said, we really shifted from that no technology to full blown on technology. So mm-hmm. it's something that we have to learn. So, Hassan, thank you so much for coming out here and dropping all this wisdom. I love it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me on, Nina. I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the chance on me and bringing me on to Straight Talk, no sugar added. I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to be brought on. And I look forward to hearing from everybody um, about this episode. And thank you for the work that you're doing in uh, in putting your voice out there and connecting with people and in building a better, more equitable world.
1: Thank you. Oh, that's so great. Guys, thank you so much for joining. I'm gonna make sure to put all of Hassan's information below. Go pick up that book. go like seriously go pick up that book, go read it. I mean <laughs> the uh, the one for disrupting, uh, you know, just pick it up and <laughs> read it. Just don't disrupt me. you know. I got, I got cabinets to make. <laughs> but guys, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Hesan was oh, an amazing guest. And I know you guys are always like really reaching out and connecting and all that. So please make sure they connect with him. I'll link everything below and hire him. Hire him to come work with your organization too. Let's just make everything a better place. We have enough out there that is negative and it's like bashing and it's all that. We We don't need any more of that. But what we do need is to raise up this next generation of leaders and to also help them to make our employees more productive and make make our world a little bit better. Let's connect with each other. All right, guys? Thank you for being here. This is Nina Perez. This is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Until next time.